Hey guys, thank you for joining us on Being Extra. We're going to talk about some of the movie news that's going on in the world today. So, the biggest news that came out this past week was that the Snyder Cut is being released in 2021 on HBO Max, and I, for one, am very excited. I'm not saying that the movie is going to be great, but I do want to see Snyder's original vision, which to me is very intriguing. Everything that he had envisioned, if he, and he said that we only we only saw one fourth of what he actually made. So very interesting, you know. Jason Momoa, he has seen it, he lobbied for it, he's happy that it finally happened. So 2021, let's all get that HBO, you know, subscription going, and let's see what happens, let's see how it goes. I'm still rooting for it. I like the Ben Affleck Batman. I like Henry Cavill as Superman. I like that crew. I just think they're rushing to it too quickly. But it already happened. It's passed. We have a new Batman. Henry Cavill might not be back. But hopefully the Snyder Cut will be something you know to be remembered as something great. I'm happy that they're taking their time on it. I know it's not finished. So you know they have to do all the CGI, all the color grading, everything that's going on. So that's why they're not releasing it right away. Not like when Avengers released some deleted scenes that were not finished, you know, to try to make it over the three billion mark. But we'll see what happens with that. Next news, the 2021 Oscars might be delayed. We do not know when they're going to come out. Uh, they're going to be postponed. We don't know if it's going to take months or a whole nother year, which with th there's not that many movies coming out this year. So I understand. And they did make the rule that only this year Streaming movies can make it into the Oscars only for one year because of the whole quarantine. But one movie that is coming out is Tenet. The Tenet trailer released. It looks amazing. It looks like another big Christopher Nolan spectacle. I cannot wait for it. So if they did the 2021 Oscars next year, Tenet might just win everything, you know. I mean, that's how it might go down. <laughs> so let's see what happens with the Oscars. Even if they take a year off, that's okay. Uh, I think that's fine. They should just take the year off to regroup. You know, the whole film industry is down right now. So no new movies are being shot at the moment. Only some movies are filming or smaller projects. And um, Michael Bay is, seems to be the only one filming a movie right now at the moment. So let's see what he has in store for us. Next in news, The Wrong Missy came out. The new movie with the executive producer, Adam Sandler. Now, do you guys remember when Adam Sandler got the Oscar snub and he said, I'm going to make the worst movie ever? This might be it. The Wrong Missy has a lot of physical comedy. I was not a fan of it. Some people enjoyed it. Some people laughed at it, but I was not a big fan of it. It might be his, you know, rebuttal. It might be his revenge for not getting the Oscar nomination, which he deserved. I know there was a lot of competition that year, but with Joker and all and you know once upon a time in Hollywood but you know this might be his rebuttal his revenge for not getting the Oscar nomination it might not be it might just he maybe it was just making a movie for Netflix but I think I think he knew what he was doing guys new to watch YouTube Kevin James that's all Kevin James has an amazing YouTube channel I do not know what team he has behind the camera, but it's amazing. They're inserting him into movies, holding the boom mic. And they do the lighting perfectly. They insert him perfectly, being into the movies. I do not know how they do it. You know, I've been working in movies for three to four years now. And 
I'm still amazed at how to do some things, especially this Kevin James YouTube channel. I think it's amazing. You guys need to check it out. Watch it. And coming up next, I have an interview with my good friend James Stacy. He's been in front of the camera, behind the camera. He's been on Walking Dead, I, Tanya. He's been in Little Women, Atlanta, Love is Blind. So just, you know, stick around. Uh, this is a fun interview, very fun interview I got to do with my friend. So here it is. Welcome, guys, to being extra. Today I'm joined by my good friend, James Stacy. How are you doing, James? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. It's good to see you. Good to talk back to some of my old friends from the movie industry throughout this quarantine. How are you doing through in this quarantine right now? Yeah, you know, I'm doing all right. I actually found a backup job just to keep me busy because uh, there's nothing out there for us right now, unfortunately. And um, when I have some downtime, I've been working on my own YouTube channel and doing some boxing videos. So, you know, I'm finding ways to stay busy. Yeah, uh, James has an awesome YouTube channel, unboxing, you know, toys, action figure, Legos that he builds himself. It's pretty cool. One of my favorite ones, I checked out your channel, and I like the... I don't know, I forgot the name of it. It was like Mega Pikachu, something like that. Like the Lego Pikachu. They like foot tall Pikachu. Yes. How long did that take to make? Took, uh, I think, a couple hours, mainly because my camera overheats a lot. So it took a lot of uh, stopping and starting was the big holdup. And um, I think currently it's probably the biggest set I've built on set. I've got a couple waiting in the wings that probably have some more pieces. I know one for sure, but um, yeah, the slowing down point mainly is just, if I wasn't filming it, if I didn't have to stop and let my camera cool down, change angles, I, I can build them pretty fast, but you know, with the video, it, it takes a little bit longer. Well, that's good, man, they're awesome. Do you have anything coming up that you're gonna unbox that you could give us a little preview here? I've got a couple of videos that I just did the, my portion of the recording, I usually film uh, the unboxing and then like all the detail shots and then later on I'll do the the me talking part of it um, So I got those they're all kind of set up, but I have a couple pieces that afterwards I'm going to be doing I've been doing the uh, 20th anniversary Lego Star Wars sets nice This is not the next one, but the one after that it's may or not be my last one because there's a bigger set that I just don't know if it's uh, financially responsible to buy right now, you know. So I'm kind of holding off on it. Hey, we might get another stimulus check. You never know. You know. You never know. I could swing it. And then I've also got uh, this Batman action figure with uh, the lovely Adam West. Oh, man. That is cool. I've been looking forward to uh, unboxing this bad boy because uh, I love me some of the 60s Batman. It's it's still my favorite and one of the best versions. So I'm looking forward to building this. Um, I wish I had, I had a couple of villains, but they're back home. Like my collection's kind of split up. So unfortunately he doesn't get to hang out with uh, Riddler and Joker, but one day is when I get all my collection together, he'll get to sit beside them. Oh, I love that, that Batman, the very campy Batman. Uh, I don't know if on YouTube you saw Warner Brothers drop the history of the Batmobile. Did you see that? The history of the Batmobile. I hadn't seen that yet. I'm gonna have to watch that. Yeah, Warner Brothers dropped it on YouTube, and it's an awesome watch. It's about 45 minutes. It's free on YouTube. Recommended. Highly recommended. Then. Yeah, check it out. Sounds cool. I love Batman, and he's got a fascinating history. Yeah, they talk about how like the Batmobile is like 
a character itself, you know, it's, it's an awesome thing. Yeah, but that's good, man. Well, uh, one more time, his YouTube channel is called James Stacy. I will drop the link below so you guys, you know, check it out. He's going to drop new stuff. It's going to be awesome. I'm very, I'm still kind of inconsistent about it. I tried when I started to do a new video every week. So the videos might be spread out, but um, they're still coming. So uh, watch and then um, stick around. Awesome. By the way, I love the background, man. Like, did you do that yourself? No, I got this at Spirit Halloween when, you know, they clearance all their crap off at the end of the year and uh, saw it and I was like, I got to get that. That's pretty cool. And then we have a bad habit around here of not taking down our Halloween decorations. So it just kind of stays up because yeah, it's neat. It lights up. Oh, dude, like if I could turn my camera around, uh, me and my wife leave our Christmas decorations like the lights. They're still up. They just make it year after year, you know? <laughs> It saves time. You don't have to worry about taking down and putting them up. Uh, my last job, my last office job, way back, they used to have a Christmas tree. Instead of taking it down, they just added decorations for each holiday. So Valentine's, St. Patrick's, that, that's smart. That's perfect. That's a great idea. <laughs> okay, so James, so you, my friend, have been on both sides of the camera. You know, in front of it and behind it on the crew side. Is there one you prefer at all? I really prefer behind the camera on crew side. Whenever I've been in front of the camera, it's just kind of a way to, you know, make ends meet, uh, get a paycheck, usually get a meal and spend some time reading the book. And, you know, it's always good that even if you can't be on set in the position you want to be, it's nice to still be on a set because then it still keeps you fresh, keeps you used to how sets running and, Usually it's pretty fun being an extra. It depends upon the show. Some of them can be a little grueling, but a lot of them can be an enjoyable experience with uh, a lot of fun people, fun scenes. You get to know about stuff that's happening before they're out in the theaters. You got to learn to keep your mouth shut, but you know, it's, it, there are worse ways to spend your time. And there's a lot of being an extra is fun, sometimes challenging, but usually pretty simple work. Do you ever feel weird when you go like one day, like as a day player going from crew to another day as an extra, or is it just an easy transition? I've done that a couple of times. The big one was on the last season, The Vampire Diaries. I was a uh, lockup PA in downtown Atlanta for like the final episode. And then I think uh, a week later, uh, I was an extra, like a cultist who got killed or something. So that was a little weird because then, you know, the, the, the PAs sometimes recognize you, sometimes they don't. Right. I had a buddy on there, so it was cool running into him again. So typically when that happens, it's not on a show that I know, that I don't have that relationship with people a lot. I haven't, like, worked with that crew a lot. So typically it's I'm there as a day player once, and then, you know, that's the only time they see me. So most of the time... With all the faces you see as a crew, they doubtfully remember me a lot of the times. But it can be kind of awkward. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been there too, man, from crew to extra. And I mean, like you said, yeah, however we can pay the bills, right? But as long as we are on a set, that's how I feel. If they call me behind the camera, if they call me in front of it, I just want to be on the set, you know? Yeah. And keeping your mouth shut, if anybody does extra... And I will drop some links on how you can become an extra when everything opens up again. Uh, yeah, you just got to keep your mouth shut. No pictures. 
people love to take pictures. It's just a, don't do it, guys. <laughs> All the time. Yeah, and I just saw you as a crew on a show I can't talk about yet because it's not out. All I can say is going to come out on Disney+. Plus. That's all I'll say. And I'll probably have you back when that show comes out. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, that was, uh, that was a crazy fun experience. I got to be pretty close to some cool stuff. Um, there was like 50 PAs there that day because we were locking up Atlantic Station. Wow. And it was, it was a full house. It wasn't as bad as we thought it was. I don't know why. I guess nobody was out in Atlantic Station. I think I had to talk to like two or three people. And that was it. So it, it was a daunting task when I got the call for the job. And then it turned out to be a really simple, easy day. That was a fun experience. But yeah, can't talk about that yet. We'll, uh, we'll definitely chat about it in the future for sure. Yeah, man. Uh, and the one thing I will say about that day is that some of us extras had to be kind of like lockup PAs. Because some of the shops, the people working there, they would come out. And we're like, guys, don't come out. Don't come out. Like, not yet. Yeah. And then, you know, we, and we, we didn't mind it because we knew, you know, the rest of the crew was very busy doing other work, you know. So we couldn't wait for them to stop them. So we will stop them ourselves. Like, no, no, don't go through yet. And, you know, it's just people working there. Some people live there in Atlantic Station. So there, there's nothing you can do then. But, yeah, we, we will talk about that in the future, man. But I will talk to you about a show that uh, you told me that you did a PA on, and that is uh, Love is Blind, correct? Yeah, in my opinion, that is a crazy show. <laughs> I mean, I mean, reality just, you know, they keep making new things up. But how was that? How was that experience? Well, you think watching it was a crazy show. Making it was crazy. Um, so I wasn't involved with the whole show. I was just involved with basically what turned out to be the first episode. But for me, it was two weeks of work. Wow. It was everything that happened in studio when they did the pods for the blind dates up to when they met each other for the first time. Mm -hmm. And we were constantly still working on the set. Like even by at the time when we got to filming, they were still painting, building, uh, you know, the, the room where they meet each other for the first time when they come out from one end to the other. That design, I think, changed multiple times from when we finally got it. And so when we actually filmed that moment, the paint was still wet. It was literally like the night before we were still painting. There was so much stuff to do for the art team that we were, we were almost painting 24 seven. We had teams come in overnight and then the morning teams would come back and relieve the overnight. And then, you know, it would keep rotating out like that. It was a, a monster of a show. There was tons of moving pieces, tons of people in and out. Uh, cast had to be kept separated which um, we did, you know, some shows fake it and say like, oh, they actually met, they know each other. But no, the, uh, the guys and the gals for this one, they didn't meet until that reveal at the end. They were completely separated from different sizes of studios. Wow. If they had to go to the bathroom or go get their meals, they were always accompanied by somebody. Uh, they were very careful to make sure they never saw each other except through that you know, foggy glass. Um, and I didn't really interact with the cast. We had different people for that. I was really just like a, a set studio. I was uh, taking care of the crew, helping out wherever I can kind of thing. Um, there are lots of crazy things happening though. I know the, uh, the first night we filmed, the guys blew through their whole alcohol supply. Mm -hmm. They drank us out of house and home. Um, so they, they, uh, they were well liquored 
for their time being there. We had to up the amount of booze we bought for that oh show. My God. And it was nuts. They just didn't, uh, didn't anticipate how much they needed to buy. So we were filming in Pinewood, which is one of the biggest studios in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And we were filming the same time that they were doing reshoots for Avengers Endgame. So there were uh, stuff happening around us that we uh, were privileged to see and could never talk about. The very first piece of paperwork we had to sign wasn't even for our show. It was an NDA for Marvel. Are you serious? Yeah. But since, you know, the movie's out and I can spoil some stuff now, it was, it was pretty cool getting to drive a golf cart around stuff and seeing all that. I mean, I saw Thanos' hut from like the first, uh, I think, 15 minutes of the movie. Saw lots of like HQ pieces and like all the stuff that they're fighting around in the final battle. Um, saw Iron Man's helmet, like a bust that they have that I guess they walk on a set and then they can see what the lighting does to it. So that way digitally they can recreate it later. Um, I saw a coil, I think might've been her stand in. That's, that was one of the things that was a little tricky. You never know if you saw an actor or a stand in. Some folks swear they saw Chris Evans. I was never that lucky, but um, it was kind of cool. And, neat seeing all that stuff happen while we were doing our thing and then anyway before i got off of that tangent the pain in the ass thing we had to do was set up lunch tents every day you know most people have like a room or a setup that they can just keep it for some reason or another with the area we had in the studio and the stage we could only set up our lunch tents for the lunch period and we had to break it down at the end of the day every day and then set up the tables and chairs. So this is like a crew of almost 300 people, I think, on the busiest days. So we had to set up tables and chairs for all those people and then take them down again at the end of the day and then do that all over the next day. It was crazy. But we had great caterers and the food was always delicious. So that made it kind of worth it. But that was a pain. Dude, how many different jobs did you have on that show? <laughs> you explained like three or four different things you did, dude. You know, with PAs, especially in reality shows, you put your hands in just about everything. If it's non-union, then you find yourself helping camera, moving lights. Um, with Love is Blind, it was really a lot of going on runs, moving stuff around, uh, making sure there's lots of drinks and stuff in the coolers, and so that way crew don't get thirsty. Um, our crafty people kind of sucked on that one. So we were constantly having to go around and restock crafty. Usually we get somebody to do that. So, you know, we were looking forward to them when they got there and then they turned out to be not very good at their jobs. So that turned out to be another thing the PAs had to worry about. And then, you know, we also had to lock up the hallway every time they brought people in to do dates. We helped paint. We helped lay down that the carpet. We helped set up the rooms. Um, there were seven or eight, PAs and we were we were everywhere. We had to do wow. just about anything they needed, kind of stuff. So, so you guys, did, you know, from catering to art department to, <laughs> to like regular PA work. That's that's crazy. I never heard that before. That's the first time. But reality television is different from a regular movie or TV. Is that correct? So with like smaller, I've been involved with a lot of smaller shows. That usually it's like a crew of like 
less than 10 people. And then you definitely have to put your hands on a lot of stuff. Uh, I know Love is Blind started out as non-union and then flipped, I think, a week into it. So we were able to do a lot of stuff in the beginning and then limited by union rules. We couldn't do as much later on. But yeah, for reality, it's it's a different beast from scripted. Scripted, you very much have to stay in your lane. If you're a lockup PA, that's pretty much all you can do a lot of the times. Uh, you can't even touch art stuff unless they give you explicit permission. So if you're wanting to get like experienced in a lot of different departments, reality PA is a good place to start because you get all that experience and more. That's true, man. That's, that's good advice. I like that. Oh, man, reality sounds crazy. Well, I wanted to talk to you about another, I would say, I don't know if I would count this as reality. I mean, it is reality, Titan Games. You, you were a key PA on that, correct? I was, and that was technically my first time as a key PA with all the responsibilities. I've had the title before, but it's not really the same. And then I've worked on shows where I'm on the only PA, so technically on those shows, I am the key PA. Well, explain to the people that don't, that don't work in the movie industry what a key PA is. Well, key PA can kind of vary show to show, but for Titan Games, that pretty much made me the head of all the PAs and the go-between between the, uh, the production coordinators and the production managers. So if they needed a PA, I had to keep track of who was free, who was on break, who was on a run, that kind of thing, and then relay like, okay, so-and-so is free, they can go. Or I can't spare anybody right now, they gotta take lunch. So unless you want them to go on a meal penalty, uh, we can't do anybody for that run. So that was kind of the majority of what I had to do. And then we were also sharing uh, the lot with another company. So it was making sure our team wasn't parking in the spots they weren't supposed to, and that movie's team crew weren't parking in our spots. That was like the first like two or three hours of my day was simply just moving people around with parking. It was a nightmare. Oh, man. Well, I, I got to work on that show, uh, not as a PA. I was an audience member, but hey, it was fun to watch. Keeping an eye out for people I would know. And do you know Ray J? I think he was the only guy. Yeah, of guy course I know Ray J, yeah. Yeah, everybody knows Ray J. Um, uh, I think he was the only familiar face that I recognized. I, I didn't get to be in much of the tapings except for like picking up after your guys' meals. It was about the only time I really interacted with you. I'm sorry about that. Well, I, you know me. I, I will throw it away, but you know some people. <laughs> I don't know who genius idea on our crew was to give you guys granola bars, but those were a mess. Oh, my God, dude. They were everywhere. Yeah, we were. That was, that was a 12-hour taping. We will sit our butts down for the first half of the day, and we will have about a couple of hours break. Then the other half of the day, but the fun part was watching this competition. I'm not going to say what I saw, I'll let you guys watch it, but just watching it being there, you know, the hype is real. Like once the competition starts, there's no retakes, no redos because, you know, it's an actual live competition. They might do some retakes on maybe The Rock reading some lines or stuff like that, but the competition itself was awesome to watch. And, uh, you know, being there was cool. And I was going to tell you, did you... Being a key PA on there, did you have to do anything that was involved with The Rock at all? I didn't. He has his own team of people. He's got his own hairstylist, his own securities. You know, The Rock's one of the biggest, highest paid actors of 
our time right now. And he is one of the busiest individuals. Like the fact that there, he's actually filming a movie at the same time that we were doing Titan Games. So while they were down for a week on the film, he was filming what he needed to film for Titan Games. And then at the same time, he was also doing guest appearances on Oprah. And he's also filming spots for his uh, alcohol company. I think he sells whiskey or some kind of some kind of spirit that he. Uh, yeah, he sells on top of alcohol. Yeah, you're right. So he is like nonstop hustling. He's crazy. He's one of the most driven people I've ever have the privilege of working with. And uh, unfortunately, he wasn't somebody I got to interact with much. Uh, most of the time, it was you know passing each other on set as he's going out on stage or coming off, and I'm trying to find somebody else and do something. Um, yeah, he's got his own team and his own group of people that uh, they take care of him and we handle everything else around him to make sure that uh, he doesn't have to waste his time in his already busy schedule. Yeah, man, we, we actually uh, we made a joke about it because one of the days he was late. That's why it took so long for the game to start. And we all started joking. It was like, oh, he's probably filming the movie in the other lot because, yeah, it's a movie that hasn't come out yet, so I can talk about it. But... Yeah. But we knew what movie it was because we worked on it as extras, as background. And we're like, he's probably doing a shot. And then he comes back to do this. He, I don't know how he keeps his schedule. He must have an awesome team just for everything he does and still to work out. Sweet. Also, I want to give a, a quick shout out to Jay Flats who entertained us the whole two weeks. Did you get to meet him? A couple times. I had to run you guys uh, some candy that he would throw you guys and t-shirts and stuff. So I, I got to interact with him those times. But I heard his show a lot in his stand-up. And, you know, he's a funny guy. I'm glad we had him around to keep you guys busy because some of those days were pretty long. Well, last thing on Titan Games. Uh, one big change that happened was that filming moved from L.A. to Atlanta. What do you think that happened? I think it probably had a lot to do with The Rock's schedule because he has a house here now. He's filmed a ton of stuff from the Jumanji movies to the uh, upcoming Disney movies that are going to be out. And it, I think it just made sense that if they wanted The Rock for a second season and if he wanted to do it, that to film it in a studio the same time they were filming another movie that he was on. It just schedules. It worked out fine. And um, they shipped all those big set pieces from L.A. to us. We were getting tons of trucks that first week, and they would have to offload it, and then they would have to coordinate trucks coming in, trucks going out. And then when we were wrapping up the set, they had to dismantle all that, pack it back up, put it on the trucks, get it out of there. And, you know, nobody works faster than a crew on the week of rent because that set just – it's, it's up one day and then you come in two days later and it's a completely empty studio and it blows my mind every time. Uh, the folks who work those stages are phenomenal. And uh, the team we had for Titan Games was actually um, a lot of the people I worked with on Love is Blind. So it was nice seeing those same painters and set decks and you know, all those fun, familiar faces. It it's, uh, helps the crews become family you know, when you get to work with a lot of the same people again and again and again. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that the Titan Games, uh, you know, set decoration was amazing. It looked beautiful. And I know uh, a lot of the promotional videos that are out, folks have seen it by now. And um, it was 
cool just being in there and walking on the stage, honestly. It's one of my favorite set pieces to have been with. Like, Love is Blind was kind of on a, definitely on a smaller scale, but, you know, a large, large scale, but small set for what it had to be in. Titan Games was this huge thing that uh, was its own beast, and it was awesome to be on. Yeah, dude, I agree, man. It was it was awesome. Just being in the crowd for me, that was amazing. So uh, I'm happy I got to be a part of that. Hopefully, it comes back here next year. The last thing I was going to talk about was Mount Olympus. I just I saw it. It was touching the brim of the roof. How long did it take to take that, to put that up, and take it down? Was that like the hardest thing or easiest? You know, Mount Olympus. I think took. It was one of the first things they had to put up, honestly, because. Uh, it's the framework of the stage. It goes almost all the way around where the stage is. And then a lot of the games they bring in after that. So um, it's hard to say. I know when they assemble it, I think it took four or five days. And then they were still painting it for a few days after. Um, but when they took it down, it was out of there in like three days. That, yeah, man, the, the way the crews work just to... Even when I saw it, they were changing the challenges up because you know there's a new challenge every you know every time new contestants come out and they, how quickly they set up the new challenges to me was amazing. Like they work like that. It was crazy, dude. Yeah. Those guys are quick, and you know time is money when it comes to film. So the faster you are, the the better it is. And um, yeah, these guys were great at their job. Uh, but the head guy in charge of moving the games in and out of the stage was. One of the most fantastic people I'd ever worked with. Safety was his priority. He had the respect of his team. And he was just uh, an awesome guy just to like almost stand back and watch him coordinate all these moving pieces. Because as a game was going out, another game had to come in. And it was rolling across out the doors into a little tent that we had. Well, not a little tent, but a big tent. And so there are cars that are going back and forth, and he's coordinating all of that, making sure everybody's staying safe and moving it and all the pieces. And it, it was just incredible. Yeah, the, the team behind Titan Games this season was phenomenal. And um, I know it's going to reflect it when the episode's there, so I hope everybody watches and enjoys and appreciates all the hard work that went into it because it was, it was a whole other piece of work. It was, I'm, I'm honored to have got to be a part of it. And, it being my first job as a key PA, it was fantastic to play a small part in putting it together. That's awesome, man. I'm glad you enjoyed it, dude. And well, talking about, you know, reality TV, I know sometimes crews have to travel. Have you had to travel before for reality TV? Uh, you know, as a PA, it's very rare for us to travel because most of the time it's just cheaper to hire somebody local. Uh, but on the rare occasion, I've been greatly privileged to travel uh, two or three times. I've been to uh, New York for a show, and then uh, another show, Seven Little Johnsons, they took me to South Carolina for uh, the end of, not the current season, but last season, because the family went on a trip there for Amber's birthday. I can't remember what age it was for the birthday, and I don't want to say she's older than she actually is. Um, and then for the current season that actually the episodes just aired, they took me to California and that was a blast. Honestly, I loved uh, getting to see the coast and I've only ever been there once. I went out to LA for a job interview and got to visit with some friends, but I was only there for 
like 16 hours. I flew in, job interviewed, worked, slept, and then worked half of the day and then flew back to Atlanta. So getting to see, I was out in California for 14 days, I think. It's hard to remember. This was last year, last summer. Um, we flew into San Diego, loaded the family up in an RV. They drove it up to San Francisco, and we had to follow around behind them because we had, like, GoPro set up in the RV where you could see what was going on and what the family was go doing. And then we stopped at, like, some uh, noticeable sites and locations, stuff like that, see a lot of cool bits and things. So I actually had to drive that RV back when the family was done with it because the company we rented it from didn't want us to leave it there. They wanted it back in San Diego. So I had to make the nine plus hour drive by myself in a 32 foot long RV that I have never driven anything that long before. So it was uh, quite frightening and but made it, nothing happened, nobody got hurt. And I happily checked into my hotel and uh, went to sleep because it was, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it's probably the most intense thing I think I've ever had done for a show. And it was uh, very frightening. But once you drive a 30 foot RV, then driving a cargo van or a box truck doesn't seem so bad anymore. Dude, I have, I have trouble with the little U-Hauls just to move from place to place. That, that is, that sounds scary. I don't know how you did that, man. I went around Los Angeles. I kept on the straight roads. We went on the, the coastal highway when we were going up. So lots of narrow roads, lots of uh, cliff sides. Right. And, um, I don't know how Trent was able to do that route. I uh, very, I, I definitely avoided that route going back. I went the, uh, the wider way, country roads, more straight lots of more easy mountains to traverse. It was uh, the easier route. And I left at like six in the morning. I didn't get in until maybe like 5 p.m. because I was trying to avoid as much of the traffic as possible. And luckily I think I only had to stop for gas maybe once. And um, I pushed it as hard as I could because I wanted to uh, not have to go into a town and you know try and find a gas station that could fit a 32 foot RV. I was uh, planning around not having to do that. So it was, even though that was a, a crazy trip there and back, uh, I'm grateful that they took me with because I got to see some cool sites. I got to see the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Got to experience the Little People's Conference while they were, while the family was there. Got to see a lot of cool stuff on the way. And the coastal sightseeing is beautiful. You know, I, I love California. Um, I'm hoping I get to go back one day even just as a tourist, just to see it again and take my time going through it. Because, you know, with reality, it's all, it's a very set schedule. It's a lot of, there, there wasn't much time to uh, just take in the sights. It was a very rushed uh, experience, but it was, it was nice. I, I love that I got to go. That's awesome, dude. What are the logistics to that? Like, when they tell you, hey, can you be, or, you know, where they take you to different cities or different states, are they paying for your hotels or what's going on there? Usually the, for the show, sometimes they'll want you to work as a local and then you've got to find your own accommodations. So if it's something where you know people in L.A. and you can work as a local in L.A. and they can put you up on your couch. 
but usually for every show I've been on, it's uh, they put you up in a hotel. Uh, they'll give you either per diem, so that way you can get food, or they'll feed you throughout the day. You know, it, it varies show to show. But everything I've been on when I've traveled, it's been uh, they'll put you in a hotel. I've stayed in a great hotel in New York, uh, some very nice places in South Carolina, and then they give you like here's twenty five dollars a day. Get it for groceries or food, you know, whatever it. it, it varies and in New York we worked so often that they were paying for first meal and then we got second meal most of the time so it was um, didn't even have to worry about per diem for that show but yeah I understand how, why they want some people to be local and they're usually looking for local people so that they don't have they're smaller productions they're bigger productions you know and that's for reality even if it's like um, like movies you know like a feature film I remember this was on Jungle Cruise um, I just remember the, the you know, the hairdresser, the hairstylist, uh, he was like, oh, I'm from Hawaii, but they brought me out here. I'm like, that, that's amazing. You know, they're outsourcing. They know the people from the union. They, knew, they know who they want for, like, the bigger jobs, you know. Uh, everything else they find locally. But I, ju I just think that's cool that, uh, you know, they take you guys to these other states, other cities to work. I think that that's pretty cool. And you get to see some new places, like you said, California. Which is awesome, and you know, California is usually the dream for the filmmaker. <laughs> but we've been blessed with work here in Georgia. Uh, luckily, uh, they open up a lot of new studios, you know, a lot of shows, movies, the, the tax credit, you know, uh, right to work state. So, you know, extras are pretty cheap, PAs too. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, and well, one, last, uh, one last reality show I wanted to talk to you about was uh, Little Women Atlanta, correct? You worked on that? Yes, I did. I've done a couple seasons on that show. Not, uh, I've actually fallen out of touch with it, so I'm not even sure if there or when there's going to be another season. I know I worked on the, the previous season and the, the one before that. And it was actually the uh, second show in Atlanta that I ever worked on. Yeah, well... How fast-paced was that show for you? Was it fast-paced at all or regular pace? Because I know I worked reality before, and they need us, like, on the spot. If there's a fight, if something's about to go down, you know, you got to be ready. Uh, was it fast-paced for you on Little Women? Little Women was pretty fast-paced because most of the time we would do three or four locations a day. We would do stuff at their house or if they were meeting up at a restaurant to talk over a scene or do an activity. Um, we were going a lot of different places. And so we'd only have, you know, so such amount of time. And then you also got to get to where we're going to be eating. So Little Women Atlanta was definitely very fast paced just because uh, they're very set to the schedules. The girls have to be there at a certain time. So we have to be very strict on our schedule. And um, the production manager on that, who's a good friend of mine, Jordan Rhodes, he's gotten me on a lot of things since then. Uh, I've worked on him with Titan Games, worked on him with Love is Blind. So uh, he's he's taken me along on a lot of things. That he's great at, you know, keeping things moving, finding out what we need to do next. And that's that's the key to reality is once something started, always think of what's going to happen next and what we need to have ready in the wings in the next scene, the scene after, the scene after that, and even, you know, the next day. It's always thinking ahead and planning. Um, Little Women Atlanta was definitely one of those shows where you had to keep track of where the girls were, where the crew were, what you needed for that scene, all that stuff. 
Yeah, man, because uh, I've, I've seen Little Women in Atlanta. You know, you have some day scenes, then you have some night shooting. Is that the same crew, or do they have new crews for when they're doing, like, a nightclub scene or something like that? It all kind of depended upon the schedule. If we had a night thing to do that night, then we usually would just, you know, start later in the day kind of thing. We were never really set to, like, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. kind of thing. And so, well, if we got uh, later activities, then come in at 8 or come in at, like, 2 to so on. Um, we didn't do too much night things most of the time. I know the the one big thing I remember is the uh, the twins had to do a uh, rap battle concert at a, a location downtown and or actually pretty close to Little Five Points and that was pretty fun just because we had a lot of people for that because it was a big crowd. I think we had like five or six of the girls there so we had a couple more extra PAs couple of camera setups and um but yeah if you have to shoot night then very rarely do we bring in another crew it's either scheduled that accordingly or you know overtime yeah don't do morning and night shooting it's not fun i've done it for background you know i go from one background from 6 p.m to 6 a.m and from 7 a.m to 7 p.m i'm on another one it's not good for you don't ever do that it will drain you it will you know it will burn your brain well, okay, now that we talked about you being behind the camera, I want to talk to you about being in front of it a little bit. And uh, I just want to ask you, because this wasn't part of my original questions, but now that I saw your background, were you on Stranger Things? You know, it's funny. I've tried to be on Stranger Things uh, last season, season three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think three. So I got booked twice. Uh, the first day I was there for 15 hours, didn't get used at all. There was like seven or eight of us. There wasn't a whole lot. It was just, you know, they wanted to have people on standby to like walk by windows kind of thing. And um, yeah, they didn't use any of us. So uh, I showed up, I read my book, I ate my lunch, I read my book and then signed my sheet and went home. And then the second day, same thing. I was there for 15 hours. I think they maybe used a couple of us, but otherwise, yeah, we didn't do squat which was good because they had me in these really uh, unflattering short shorts that I'm glad I did not uh, have to uh, appear on camera. My friends were, uh, they had mullets, they had short shorts, just uh, their wardrobe was, you know, very 80s, you know? Um, But this season I I had my hair kind of long and I was about to get a cut and then I realized, oh, Stranger Things is shooting again for season four. So I tried to get on that and I ended up getting booked for a couple of days, which was fun. Can't talk about it because, you know, it's very hush-hush. And it's one of the few things that they have you signed an NDA for. Um, but I think I got to be on camera. We'll see when the episodes come out. And um, it was fun to finally be on screen for it. So hopefully my uh, stuff doesn't get cut. Yeah, dude, every time I try to grow my hair for it, they cut my hair for a different show. Yeah, and it's unintentionally. It's just it's funny how it happens. And on my last episode, I actually talked about this. And yeah, it just every time, so like uh, I, I think it was for season two, I was ready. My hair was long. Godzilla, uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, called me to be a soldier. Buzz cut. I'm like, on one hand, Godzilla. On the other hand, I really wanted to work on Godzilla. I think it was under the uh, the secret title Fathom. Yeah, and Fathom. I didn't find out what that was until like 
the last few days of casting. And I think by that point, they were only looking for soldiers and just not fit enough for soldiers. So usually I don't get picked for that kind of thing unless it's like huge crowd stuff. And mm-hmm. I was bummed because I loved King of Monsters. I, it was a great movie. I wish I'd gotten to be on it. Dude, it was such a good movie. It was, you know, besides the human interactions and everybody already talked about that, so I'm not going to get into it. But the monster fighting was amazing. The monsters, the way it looked, I never thought in my lifetime I will see, like, monsters look that real, that amazing on screen, you know? Because you have, the, like, the older Godzillas, but this was... The CGI was on point. It was great. You know, the scenes I got to do, I'll talk about it quickly, was just looking at the blue screen. But, you know, in my mind, I'm like picturing Godzilla and Mothra. And then when I got to see it on screen, I'm like, oh, this is it's beautiful. Like <laughs> they, they did it right with the monsters. And yeah, well, the one good thing that came out from that movie is that the starting, you know, role for that was Millie Bobby Brown. So in a way... I got to be like, oh, look, it's it's 11. And she talked to us. She said, hello, very nice, very nice girl. So that was cool. The science teacher from Stranger Things is in there too. He pops up briefly as well. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Lots of Atlanta talent, I think. If I watch the movie, do I see you? or is No, it- oh, they cut my scene. Oh, so, okay, so it's a good thing you talked about that. I'm going to post a picture of... Uh, I, t- I took a quick picture of myself uh, with the makeup they put. I didn't take a picture of the set or anything, just my makeup uh, in the bathroom. So nothing special about the background. But the makeup they put on me was burnt makeup. And because like something happened to our plane, the, the main big plane, do you remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot the name of it. But the, the main one where everybody's on it. Uh, yeah, I was on that crew. And... Uh, I think we crashed or we got hit. Oh, no, we got hit by, like, one of the lightning bolts from, um, is it Ghidorah? No. So, yeah, I had the the makeup from when the Ghidorah, you know, they had, like, the lightning, and it hit our plane, and it burned my face, and the camera started on me. And one of the actors saying, are you okay, are you okay? And they completely cut that, which it happens, you know. In this industry, we know that happens. They cut some scenes. Maybe it'll be in the deleted scenes, but but yeah, uh, you won't see me. You would. I'm very blurry. I know where I am because I worked on it, but you can't see me. They cut they cut the scene that I was visible. But you know that, that was still a fun movie. That was a fun movie to be a part of, and I'm excited for the next one. Is it uh, versus Kong, right? I think so. I hope so. I heard that King of Monsters didn't do as well as they were hoping, so I think. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong is still up in the air, but I'm I'm pumped for it. I hope it comes out. Even though I didn't really care too much for Skull Island, um, King of Monsters kind of rejuvenated my uh, enthusiasm for it. So I'm hoping. I have high hopes. Yeah, dude. Well, did you know, dude, that you and me worked on the first Marvel DC crossover movie? Did we? Yes. The name is I, Tanya. Ah, yes. You get my reference, right? Harley Quinn and the Winter Soldier. We were we were making that joke all night. No one laughed. <laughs> well, that that was a a fun movie we got to be a part of. We got to dress up, you know, 90s. And you were featured on that, man. You were like highly slow motion featured, right? That was cool. It was. It was a pretty awesome shot. I really, I honestly thought it was going to get cut because it was one of the 
Uh, honestly, one of the worst experiences I had as an extra was on that set just because one, I almost died because we were filming in like an old abandoned mall. I don't know if you were there for those days. No, I was not. Me and another guy were positioned down the hallway. We were going to you know, start walking towards them. And then like, they just, you know, they moved us around a lot. So the PA put us there and then a different PA moved us back like five feet or so. And like 10 seconds later, a light bulb just fell out of the ceiling and just shattered on the floor. And not like, you know, one of those little ones. It's one of those big, like, don't, or like globe shaped. Right, right, right. Just oh. fell out of the ceiling where we were standing. Oh, so yeah, shit. I probably wouldn't have died. I would have gotten my bell rung and um, probably definitely would have hurt. And, uh, you know, folks were concerned. But it was like, no, oh, it didn't happen. We were okay. And then on top of that, for the, the shot that I'm featured in with the slow motion close-up, it was the whole reason I got picked is because I had a camera with a flash on it. And they wanted that for the shot. So they, they're looking around to see who has it. They see I have one. They point to me. They bring me in. And they say, uh, so you're going to be taking a photo and you're yelling at Tanya. So I start like pushing the photo and just kind of, you know, mouth. Cause they tell you as an extra, you don't ever actually say anything you're supposed to mouth. So that's what I do out of, you know, being told thousands of times, don't talk, you just mouth. So I'm there, just mouth. And then they're no, no, you actually, actually say something. I was like, okay, Tanya, Tanya, no, you got to hold the camera up. And it was just, it was like the DP, the AD, and like the KPA, all three of them were telling me different things. And instead of somebody taking the time to be like, come up and say, okay, this is a shot camera. You're gonna start with the camera up here, take the photo, bring it down, yell, go back up, take another photo. Could have done that, would have gotten it done in like maybe two shots, but no, it's go stand there, take a photo. No, you need to be yelling, Tanya. And then, no, you need to be looking this way. You need the camera up here. No, the camera down there. It's just, it is very, very poor communication. Um, so I didn't even think the shot turned out the way they wanted it without all the stupid stuff that was going on behind the scenes with it. But then there was the shot, made it in. And uh, my buddy in LA, when he saw it, kind of freaked out. And he was the only one in his group who recognized me. And he just like, I was like, dude, are you in Itania? Do you have like a slow motion shot? I was like, I, I thought I was. I, I don't know. You'll have to tell me. Because I was there for most of the day, and we did two or three, three or four different things. So I didn't even know which one he was talking about. But I eventually did see the movie myself and uh, got to see the moment. And it, it was pretty cool. It's, uh, even though it was a, a rough experience, it's a, it's a neat shot to be a part of. And being in a great movie helps, too. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, I saw you in theaters too. I'm like, that's James. Like, that's James screaming Tanya. That that was great. <laughs> Even though I didn't know how the experience was, and you almost got a light bulb thrown on your head, but you made it, dude. You made it in. Even though it was a rough experience, the it was a great movie that I'm happy that I got to be a part of, and an even great shot to top it. Yeah, I, I'm happy I got to see you know um, Margot Robbie and Sebastian Stan. And the one cool little like funny story I have about I, Tanya, is that I was a reporter when Sebastian Stan is getting arrested. So, you know, they did the take four or five times and uh, uh, Sebastian Stan will pass by me and 
they let us talk. They just they just wanted us to be like crazy, like, ah, like did you do it? Did you do it? So I, I got bored of doing that and I started asking him random questions. I'm like, why won't they let you in the Avengers? And he just looked at me like, what the hell? <laughs> it's like, is this kid serious? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Stan, is that is that mustache real? And he's just like, I'm like, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> I think I think he had fun with it. I'm like, what? Why can't they be? Why can't you be in the Avengers? And he just had fun with it. But it did, it did turn out to be a good movie, dude. Because yeah, miscommunication on that movie for sure. They didn't know how they wanted the shots or who they wanted it in it. But at the end of the day, they pulled it through, and it came out to be a great movie. Yeah, for sure, it was a fantastic movie. Well, the the one show I did want to talk to you about, the one TV show that you and me have worked on together as well as The Walking Dead, which is a huge show. I think that's one of the shows that helped put George on the map. Do you agree? Since it's been in Georgia since season one, and it's going to stick around for as long as possible because you know, a lot of the cast live here, a lot of the crew live here. So, um, yeah, it helped solidify Georgia, I think, as a state that was worth shooting in. Yes, yes. Uh, I remember when I found out it was shot in Georgia, I just thought, you know, just that first episode, him going through Atlanta, those empty streets, I thought that was very cool. You know, we all have that picture on the bridge, on the famous bridge. Yeah, we all have that. You know, every time um, a family member comes from a different state or country, they're like, can, can we go to the bridge? I'm like, sure. <laughs> and I'm like, I just Photoshop you in if you want, because, you know, been through it a million times. But you and me got to be kingdom on that show that to me was one of the funnest things i've done on that show i felt like i was wearing battle armor and you were featuring that as well correct i was i got to be part of like a uh king ezekiel's like a squad of soldiers in uh season eight but i actually was back in season seven too i got to be on it when uh we shot in fort mcpherson were you there when we were in fort mcpherson I, I was there for a day. I was there in the day when we were like leaving for war, but no, that was not season seven though. I was only season eight. I was there for one day in season seven, um, pretty much Carol's first uh, day at the kingdom. And um, for that stuff, I'm not very featured. I'm all background, my back's the camera kind of thing. But uh, that's one of my favorite sets. Like they made it look so great and it was huge because they had to cover a lot of ground where the old four used to be and uh when we came back to it for season eight when we had to do the uh yeah the the scene before we all went to war and everything's just kind of they had to shoot around a lot of what's being torn down and replaced and you know being taken apart it, it was sad seeing the set go from what it was to what it is now um but yeah i got to be um a part of like king ezekiel's a team of soldiers there was uh six of us in the beginning and uh, it was great you know i loved uh being on the walking dead it's one of the, one of my favorite things i've been an extra on because it's most shows it's you know sit at the bar pretend to drink or stand over there pretend to talk on the walking dead it's run around shoot pretend not to get eaten by walkers shoot the saviors don't get shot you know, there's a lot more imagination involved into it. And you get to be into it a lot more than uh, some other shows. And it, it helps that um, the, the actors who play Ezekiel and Carol 
and uh, all his lieutenants were some of the nicest people in the world to work with. Um, uh, the guy who plays King Ezekiel, Peyton, learned the six of ours names. Uh, you know, we, we weren't, we don't like, we didn't go up and talk to him. We didn't introduce ourselves. Um, we showed up, we did our work, you know, we're super professional. If they talk to us, we talk to them. But otherwise, you know, stay back, let them do their thing. Uh, but Peyton learned each of our names from like, I guess, just looking at the call sheet and knowing who was who. And uh, he took the time to do that. And he, um, on the Talking Dead, after the episodes aired, when uh, we all met our untimely demise, he uh, gave us all a big shout out as being some of the best extras he's ever had a chance to work with. Um, so that was super nice of him. And like he and Cooper Andrews, they're just, they were just all super great folks. Um, Melissa McBride had to, um, there was, there was a scene where, uh, a savior tosses a grenade at us and it goes off and it opens up a door and a bunch of walkers come spilling out and it kicks up this big dust cloud. So we all had to be like dusted down and stuff. And that crap gets in your eyes. And they were doing like eye washes a lot. And, uh, I had a moment where I was like, I can't really see. It's kind of twitching. My eyes are kind of messed up. And, um, most of my bride saw me kind of struggling out of the corner of her eye. She goes, uh, we, wait, wait one second. You, can you see? Are you all right? Can we get an eye wash over here for him? He's, he's, he's having some trouble. So she like, I was kind of like, no, no, I'm fine. We, we'll, we'll do the shot. Let's, let's film it. Don't stop because of me. Cause you know, you don't want to be one of those special extras that right. are like, thanks for coming in. You don't need to come in tomorrow. Right. 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 That kind of situations. But no, she was super nice. She was like, she had the, the ladies who were in charge, like the eyes and the contacts, they came over, washed me out real quick, and you know I was good to go. And it was little things like that. Like they're super nice to their extras. They're the crew's really great because of their. A lot of them have been on there since the beginning or multiple seasons. It was just it was it was a great experience. And I know you ended up joining us a few days into that. Actually, I think didn't you play like the savior and the kingdomer and. Oh, man. The you were like you were wearing multiple hats for that those days for sure. Uh, season eight, I just wore multiple hats. I've been a Walker Kingdom Savior. I've been on you know both sides. I die and I come back. You know they can't kill me. They can't put me down. And I, I did talk about that in the last episode, <laughs> where uh, yeah. Uh, but I think Kingdom was the funnest for me. Uh, I liked it. I think we got stuck or we got put with a great team of actors that. Uh, they're not too super serious or into the characters all the time. It was it was a group of folks who didn't mind having fun on set. Like, um, there's a photo that I have up on my Facebook. I could probably send it to you if you want to yes. post it up in the video of yes. us. Um, the script supervisor was doing a group photo of all of us just kind of lined up in the woods when we're uh, setting an ambush for a bunch of saviors. And Carrie Payton just turns around and says, all right, on three, everybody jump in the air. And he goes, one, two, three. And we all jump and do the, the freeze frame. I'm in that picture. I'm in the back. I'm in it, but in the back. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. And I'm so glad that they got that photo to us. I think somebody, I want to say another extra, Matt emailed the, uh, the script supervisor. Somehow he got a hold of her and she passed it on to us. So um, that photo is awesome. I love it. And it's one of my favorite mementos from being involved in that show because the moment was just 
a blast. Yeah, were you also that day that uh, we as Kingdom turned into walkers and then we all took a picture with King Ezekiel? You know, I missed, I was there that day, but I missed out on that photo. I can't remember why. I think I, I was walking away for some reason when it happened. So unfortunately, I'm not even in that shot. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. But, hey, but you know, you had, you got that experience. You got, you know, you kind of got to have that little like small group before the rest of the kingdom people came in. That you got to interact with them. The guy who plays King Ezekiel, I can't remember his name right now, but he's super nice, like you said. One day it started raining. He had a, like a huge umbrella. He told me and another guy that were near him to get under it with him. So we just had like a five-minute conversation with him. And you know, the other guy that was under the umbrella, he was like freaking out. And he was like still in character. He's like, you're such a good king. I'm like, we're not rolling, but okay. He's like, you're such a good king. I'm like, okay. Uh, I guess, you know, he was just starstruck. I was too. I was like, this is awesome. Such a cool guy, such a nice guy. I hope I get another chance to work with him again on something because he was super nice. I haven't been able to get back on The Walking Dead, unfortunately. I think I'm, since I was featured so much, I'm in a bunch of background shots, like one of like three people in the shot kind of thing. So fortunately, I don't think they can use me unless I drastically changed my look. Wish I could grow a beard, but. Hey, don't, dude, don't, they can call you back. Just like me, for some reason, I have a very like forgettable face. They're like, has he been on there? Nah, bring him back. Because the other time I was on there after Kingdom, I was one of uh, like Negan's people, not a warrior, but like people in the, what, what was it called? His place, the sanctuary. That's it. So yeah, so after being a Kingdom, uh, I got to be one of the people in the sanctuary. And I'm like kneeling for like five hours because that was her shot. I was kneeling and him pointing his bat at us. And that was like the shot, you know, him making his speech for like five hours straight. And I was just like hiding my face. I'm like, oh, I, I want him to call me back. I'm just like this, <laughs> you know, very into character. And I'm like, this is crazy. You got killed as a savior too in one of the raids. They like knocked the door open and shotgun blast. Yeah. And that was before Kingdom. So I started as a savior, got shot. I will post that picture up. And then came as a kingdom, then got back to be a savior. It was, I don't know. <laughs> That's all in like the same, like three episode span too. It was, you get shot, you get, die in one episode, and then you show up in, as a, a kingdom or in the next one. It's hilarious. I know, I'm going to make up my own little backstory. They'll have to give me a spin-off series. So, uh, you know, the last days of being kingdom, we got to be walkers. Did you enjoy being alive or more of being a walker? because of the walking day what did you enjoy a little bit more tough one it was lots of fun being a walker i have i'm not gonna lie um i got to be featured walker a couple of the days which is they just put like more detailed prosthetics on you when you're more towards the front of the crowd like in the the people in the back just had like a, a spray makeup and that was about it and then we had like some prosthetics i saved one of the cheek prosthetics they probably wouldn't be happy to know about that but like I kind of I was talking to the makeup people and like no we can't and then she walked away and I just kind of grabbed it out of the trash can and saved it so I've saved the the hole that was in my cheek uh I've got that as a memento um and walkers are different you know you don't really think about it when you're watching the show but it's not like how 
a lot of zombies are in um, most uh, forms of media, like, you know, arms up, that kind of thing. They're very much, it's your hands are at your side, you're leaning forward, and you're going towards food is what they tell you. It's, and you're, you're, you're gnarling, you're moaning, you're, you're making a lot of animalistic type noises. And when, when you're close to food, you're, you go for it kind of thing. Um, so it's a lot of little things that they don't really, um, you don't really think of as you're watching the show. And then when you're in it, and then they're giving you like how to do it. And we, I don't know if you were there the same time we were, we did, we got thrown kind of a very quick um, walker camp. Like some of the folks who come back as walkers again and again, and again, over multiple seasons, they had like training and they went through like a whole camp. We had like, kind of quick, like 20 minutes, here's what you do. And then um, let's see if you can react to being shot and being hit kind of thing. And uh, luckily I was one of the people who could do uh pretend getting shot well. There was a couple of people who could not, and they got gently pushed to the uh, the back of the... Uh, yeah, I was, you know, uh, I'll just tell you quickly, the, that one scene they told me I got shot in, I got shot on as a savior. Uh, it took me seven, seven takes. Seven takes, damn. I'm not an actor. And I always, always say this, I'm more of a camera guy, and I did not volunteer for that. Uh, they just pulled me. I guess I had like the right look just for that one quick little scene. And I, I didn't know how to fall. And I was just like, and then, and then the, the, the director will come in like, no, can you just like, you know, quickly and fall, don't hurt yourself. And I wasn't doing it right on the seventh take. They're like, okay, we got it. And I'm like, they didn't get it. They're going to cut it out. And then once they got my take, uh, they said, it's a wrap. So everybody was waiting on me. I felt so bad. I'm like, shit. <laughs> They were like, it's a wrap. I'm like, dude, it was, it was horrible. But going back to what you were saying, so you, you were one of the ones that was able to get like shot, right? Uh, they wanted to see if I could react to getting shot or just like react to being like knocked down. So, but my death came through a uh, blunt ax handle to the side of the face, uh, courtesy of uh, Cooper Andrews, Jerry, which is the person I was absolutely hoping would get to kill me. And, um, that whole setup took quite a few takes um, just because there was a bunch of different pieces of different angles and we rehearsed it a bunch. And um, I kept messing up because they would be like, okay, we're going to do it, but don't, you don't actually have to take the fall, just kneel down out of frame. And then I would always mess up if it was a kneel or if it was fall. And uh, I was always playing it kind of more rather be safe than sorry and just do the fall and, get knocked out because I'd rather be that instead of, no, you kneeled and you ruined the whole thing, you know? That's true, man. I mean, but that's fun. You know, like you said, on some background, it's just like walk over here, walk over there, sit down. This is the most action we get to do as background and not yeah. being, not make it count as a stunt, you know, just getting shot that that's almost like doing a stunt without being a stunt guy, without being a stunt double. So I, th I thought that was so cool. That was so much fun and being part of that. And you're right. Uh, zombie school, I'm an, I'm an alumni. <laughs> uh, I got to do zombie school. Yeah, they, they don't need it because, you know, they'll teach you in 10, 20 minutes. And whoever does it the best, like you said, they'll push to the front and the other people more towards the back. And uh, But 
that was a really cool experience though those couple of weeks that we got to work on there even being a dead body on the ground because i got to be on the ground so i'm like yeah i'm just gonna enjoy it <laughs> i think that was our last day honestly like they brought us in just to kind of lie down in the background of a shot as the the main guys get away so we were there for i don't even think we were there for the whole day where we were there for maybe like six or eight hours didn't seem like the whole time no no it wasn't that wasn't the longest day no we were just literally lying down dead and you know we have some fans uh i've had some people this is the weirdest thing some people from europe they're like hey what's your name i'm like jorge they're like okay is this you and they're like show me a screenshot did you get that I did. I got that like a group text on Instagram for a bunch of us. They were trying to fill out, I guess, the Walking Dead Wikipedia, and they were trying to identify a bunch of people. And it was nuts. Like, you you don't think people would go through the trouble of doing that, but they yeah, did. For background, for extras, you know? And how they found us. I mean, I guess I might have tagged a couple of things, so that might have been why they were able to identify me and a few other people. But it's it's crazy they went through that trouble. And yeah, um, yeah, it's nuts. But I'm officially, I think, survivor number 76 or kingdom number 76. I know. I know that. I think I think it's crazy, dude. And then we also had the, um, uh, what's it called? The, the, the stalking? No, the spoiling, spoiling dead. Yeah. They, they will come to set and they will hide and they... Uh, <laughs> They will try to get as much shots of everybody and uh, they will post it on Facebook. It's called The Spoiling Dead. I think that page is still up, right? Maybe. Probably. Yeah. Well, they, took a, they got a couple photos of us when it was the day they did the, the grenade being thrown scene. They had the, the six of us several times with photos of us. That's true, man. Well, this has been fun, man. Uh, did you have any like... Um, background that was memorable to you some some extra that you were like wow this is amazing being a part of anything that you can remember that that you like love being on like for me for example it was like avengers being on that set to me was amazing did you have anything or maybe the walking dead was it you know the walking dead was a lot of fun but one of the things i will fondly remember is the second thing I was ever an extra on was this Liam Neeson movie called Felt. It was about the, the FBI agents. So it was a period piece. I think it was like in the 60s, 70s. Not really sure. Um, but I worked three or four days on that. It was something I was originally was supposed to be on Halt and Catch Fire. And then the night before uh, casting, uh, emails me or calls me as like, we need people for tomorrow or are you free for tomorrow? I was like, yeah, uh, cool. Can you go do a costume try on right now, tonight? I was like, yeah, sure. And they rushed me out. We did the costume try on. And um, so I went there the very next day and I was late. I was panicking because I was still relatively new to the industry. So I thought, oh, they're waiting on me. I'm holding up the show. I'm ruining this whole movie. It's all my fault. And then I get there. I was like, okay, go through wardrobe hair and makeup, and then I end up sitting someplace for two hours. So it was kind of a reality check of, oh, yeah, I wasn't that important right then. <laughs> um, so I do uh, get pulled out of a lineup of like three other guys. They're like, it's going to be him. I ended up doing a big featured scene. I got to meet Liam Neeson. I messed up the scene, and he was like, eh, it's okay, man. It, it'll be all right. You're doing good. You're doing fine. Don't worry about it. So he was super nice to me. Um, 
he introduced himself to me. He was like, hi, I'm Liam. It's nice to meet you. So he was like, off in his own little bubble doing stuff. He was friendly, very nice. He's one of the nicest people I've ever had the privilege of getting to meet. And um, then I got to go back on set. I think, yeah, it was three or four days. It was just like, hey, can you work tomorrow? Yeah, hey, can you work tomorrow? Yeah. And so they, they just kept bringing me back. Um, all my stuff got cut. I never made it into the final version of the movie, which is kind of disappointing because I was looking uh-huh. forward to it. And it was uh, a very featured little scene. It was literally just me and Liam Neeson in a moment where I'm like pushing files out of the door. Um, so that was disappointing, but it was still, it was a great experience. I got to meet a lot of the same people that I've seen tons of times on set since then. Um, and it was just, it was a fun time. It was the same casting guys who did uh, Walking Dead. So it's pretty much, I think I got Walking Dead from that because you know, I was reliable. They called me in. They said I was able to go in whenever they needed me. It was, I think it helped me get on Walking Dead. That's awesome, man. Well, this has been a lot of fun, man. I'm happy you came on uh, talking movies to somebody again because, you know, because of quarantine, we've all been isolated. But this has been a lot of fun, you know, and you telling us about your experiences in front and behind the camera. Thank you so much for being on with us today, man. Thanks for having me, man. I'm honored that you, uh, you brought me on. I can't wait to uh, share the episode. Awesome. And hopefully I could have you back for the I'm planning a Walking Dead episode. So I want somebody from every like you know part of the you know like you know kingdom you know you got the saviors and, and also so we'll do that and i'll let you know when when we get on that but uh thank you james stacy this has been fun don't forget guys to subscribe on apple Podcasts and youtube and tune in for the next episode thank you guys thank you man